Is not man's life on earth a drudgery? These words spoken in today's first reading echo regularly on our hearts. Worn out by the day-to-day struggles, we ask this question. Job, as his testing is permitted by God, is in enormous distress and feels that this night of his life will never come to an end. Many people who suffer under similar circumstances, in fact, the divine writer brings this story to our ears and to our imagination to bring this point exactly to our eyes, that we are not alone in our suffering. Those who suffer from illness, cancer, depression, addiction, abuse, and many, many other sufferings can echo these words of Job. Here's the call for us. As Job did with such virtue, so must we stay steadfast in our trust and our love for God. We keep our hope pointed towards Him, and we remain His faithful servants. The first verse from Job today in its original Hebrew is actually quite eye-opening. The word translated for drudgery, right, is sabah. Some translations of the Bible read, is not man's life on earth a hard service? The word that we're looking at here, sabah, is actually a military term in Hebrew. It's a language for a military unit or an army especially an army that's on a mission. The use of this word in Job is not so much meant to be thinking, is not life a battle, but more so of the pain of obedient service that a soldier does. I imagine the classic images of World War I, a soldier digging trenches and fighting underneath these with a day in and day out obedience to do so. I think that's what Job is saying. That's what life is. That could leave us in a pretty dark and gloomy and dreary place. Yet I imagine a large number of the Jewish people living under the Roman Empire before Jesus' birth, probably saying a similar song. And those first apostles after Jesus' ascension into heaven, as they were persecuted for their faith, could have sang a similar song as well. Yet we hear the song they sang through St. Paul that gives us hope, that gives us purpose. That St. Paul willingly brought this task upon him that was placed upon him with obedience to preach and to spread the gospel. 
And though this gospel is good news, though this gospel of Jesus Christ is joy, it shouldn't be one that's mistaken for comfortability, but should be seen as a service and an obligation that's placed on us by our very baptism. In the rite of confirmation before the liturgical reforms, confirmation being reformed in 1971, there was a moment, which many of you may remember, in which the bishop would lightly tap the candidate on the cheek or slap the candidate on the cheek. Historically, this was an import from the ceremony of knighthood. The interpretation here was that when one was confirmed, he was really drafted into the spiritual army of Jesus Christ to defend the faith, to spread it, to be a servant or a soldier for it. If you will, your life becomes being a soldier of the gospel for Jesus Christ. So here is the question, here's the challenge for us. Are you a soldier of the gospel? Can I look at the last week and name what I have done to serve Jesus Christ with obedience in spreading his gospel? I believe there's many, many ways that we can do this, but let me just offer a few short ideas. Number one, daily prayer. Spending time with God each day, however that may be. But to truly be a soldier of the gospel, I think it'd be appropriate that we spend time with his word daily. Yet we need to go beyond just personal devotion and prayer and make that prayer an intercessory, right? To pray for others. In fact, one of the greatest things we can do to spread the gospel is to pray for in the outpouring of God's grace on those that we will encounter and spread his good news. Number two, works of mercy, visiting the sick, feeding the hungry, sheltering the homeless, and yes, when you do this to proclaim the reason for your service. It is silly for us to do service and to not proclaim the reason for our joy. I remember when I was an eighth grader going through confirmation preparation, we had those required service hours. And I remember being specifically told that we weren't supposed to tell the people we were doing the service for why we were doing the service. Now, the reason for it is they didn't want us to seem forced to do it. I understand that. But there's something to it that we should proclaim the real deep reason why we do service. And that's because we're disciples of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus told us to serve the poor. And that we do it in obedience but we do it with joy. Right? We sing that hymn, 
they'll know we are Christians by our love. Yes, they will, but we probably should say it. We probably should proclaim that we are Christians. Last, number three. Give a reason for your hope. Whenever I encounter someone who's weighed down, give them the reason for your hope. That when I'm this reason, right, that when I'm in the presence of Jesus, I have peace. And I know that he remains with me in all things. I'm able to give and spread that hope to others. But this also means for me that in the day-to-day events of life, I don't let myself be weighed down by the climate of the world. That when I'm weighed down by it, when I feel the drudgery of life coming on me, I run towards God like Job did. Did I run towards God in my faith in Jesus Christ? That I spread the news to others that that is what gives me peace, that's what gives me joy. While there are many times in this life that we're weighed down, we live with great hope that our Savior has conquered it all, that He's prepared a place before us, and that He will preserve us by His grace to be His good and faithful servants who proclaim His gospel.